0: PART LAND, PART WATER, ALWAYS NATIVE. THAT'S WHAT ELDERS AND YOUTH FROM ACROSS ALASKA FOCUSED ON THIS WEEK AS THEY GATHERED TOGETHER IN ANCHORAGE TO CELEBRATE THEIR NATIVE CULTURE AND EXPLORE SOLUTIONS TO SOME OF THE CHALLENGES FACING THEIR COMMUNITIES TODAY. THE FIRST ALASKAN INSTITUTES ELDERS AND YOUTH CONFERENCE MARKED ITS 34TH YEAR, BRINGING VARIOUS GENERATIONS TOGETHER. SUBSISTENCE WAY OF LIFE, YOUTH LEADERSHIP, EDUCATION AND LANGUAGE AND CULTURE WERE AMONG DISCUSSIONS as elders and youth spend time learning from one another. Many say the land and water is intertwined in their lives, and protection and preservation will have a long-lasting impact on communities across the state. Join us as we take a look at this year's Elders and Youth Conference right after the news.
1: From the 2017 Alaska Federation of Natives Convention in Anchorage, I'm Christine Trudeau.
2: Will you stand with me as I continue my hunting? Will you stand with me as we all continue our subsistence activities?
1: That's Krissa Passingok, the youth keynote speaker for the 34th annual Elders and Youth Conference in Anchorage this week. Monday, he was personally recognized by Alaska Governor Bill Walker and Lieutenant Governor Byron Mallott. At 16, a passing gawk came under the national spotlight when Paul Watson, of Sea Shepherd fame, criticized the Siberian Yupik subsistence hunter on a recent whale kill he'd made after posting about it to social media. Watson goaded hordes of followers to attack a passing gawk on social media. The Elders and Youth Conference leading up to AFN saw record numbers this year, nearly doubling the previous years, going from 1,200 last year to close to 2,000 pre-registered, according to First Alaska Institute's president and CEO, Elizabeth Medicine Crow. Elders and Youth events included workshops on tanning and traditional jewelry making and immersion sessions in Indigenous languages, and a special teen dance concert featuring A Tribe Called Red. The conference wrapped up passing seven resolutions covering subsistence hunting and fishing rights, adjustments to corporation tax exemption dividends, and lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender, queer rights. Also leading up to the convention, the AFN sponsored a conference on tribal leaders. Now in its sixth year, the large tribal gathering provides a common forum for more than 200 federally recognized tribes in Alaska, nearly half of the total number nationwide. This year's message was clear right away when the tribes were greeted by nearly the entire cabinet of Governor Bill Walker and each of them, from corrections to commerce to public safety, was prepared with a list of items they were prepared to cooperate with tribes on. Corrections Commissioner Dean Williams said it was, quote, completely unacceptable and wrong that three out of four Alaska natives who get out of prison end up back there. He's hoping for agreements with tribes to take over probation programs, and he's looking to revamp the halfway house system. The Environmental Conservation Deputy Commissioner Alice Edwards expects to soon grant health certification that will allow elders in public care facilities to be fed traditionally processed seal oil. Attorney General Jonna Lindemuth said the state wants to do more for village law enforcement programs. They want to give village police officers and tribal police training and evidence gathering. She said her staff has been hard at work drafting sovereign immunity waiver agreements with tribes. At the Conference on Native Law on Tuesday, Lindemuth gave the first detailed description of the administration's position on tribal banishment. She said that any time the state learns a person has been banished and it is related to domestic violence, the state becomes involved in any protective order. But often, she says, the banishment occurs because the village can find no other option to deal with a drug dealer or bootlegger. The state needs to help the village find more tools to keep their communities safe, and that includes tribal courts and tribal police. But as far as the rights of the person being banished are concerned... In most instances, what we're talking about with a banishment order is
3: the person who's being banished or excluded from a community may feel like their civil rights were violated. That's really a civil matter rather than a criminal matter. The state's
1: not in the business We have limited resources. The state's not in the business of running around protecting an individual's civil rights. At least three Alaska tribes are known to have banished people during the past year. The Denina Convention Center in Anchorage has metal detectors at each gate, and AFN organizers say there may be lines at times waiting to get in. On the agenda for an unspecified time during the first day on Thursday is an appearance by Interior Secretary Ryan Zinke. Governor Bill Walker and Lieutenant Governor Byron Mallott are also on the Thursday morning agenda. From Anchorage, Alaska, I'm Christine Trudeau.
4: The AFN Newscast produced by Kiwanek Broadcast Corporation and Native Voice One. Funding support from South Central Foundation, Arctic Slope Regional Corporation, Centers for Medicare and Medicaid, Chalisto Corporation, Exxon ExxonMobil, Manalik Association, and the Rasmussen Foundation. This is a production of KNBA, Kiwanek Broadcast Corporation, and Native Voice One, the Native American radio service.
0: Welcome to Alaska's Native Voice. I'm your host, Antonia Gonzalez. Um, Part land, part water, always Native. That's what people from across the state focused on at the 2017 Elders and Youth Conference hosted by First Alaskans Institute. The annual gathering is now more than three decades old, and for three days elders and youth got together and they learned from one another. They discussed a number of issues facing their communities, and I have some folks with me here today who um, were at the annual gathering in the past and this year, and I'd like to introduce them. Um, Please introduce yourself to our audience.
5: Okay. so they could get to know my language. Grigor Freitas Ludau Gregor Freitas Senior. Unangar Akoki. I am an Aleut from St. Paul Island, that's what I said. So uh yes, uh anything I say which can help you people, tin teaching, tanamanray you are all people of the land. Mm. We were here first. If I say something that helps you, I'll be happy. So mm. uh, that's me, Greg Freitas.
0: Well, thank you for joining us. And um, Ben, please introduce yourself. <coughs>
6: I said, my name is Namkhalagha, I'm Yupik, and I'm from Chivak and Tanunik. I participated this year at the Elders and Youth Conference as a Co-MC, and in the past I've participated as a youth, and I've also volunteered. I signed up to volunteer this year, and then they asked me to co-MC, and so... uh, I had a great time with that experience.
0: Well, thank you for joining us, and also um, Emily, please introduce yourself. Uh, thank you. Wakawinga Keneknakiagak. My English name is Emily Tyrell.
7: I'm Yupik and from Imonik, Alaska. My grandparents are John and Cecilia Cipri, and my great grandparents are Pearlie and Axel Johnson. Guiana, for having me here today.
0: Thank you. And you're also with First Alaskans Institute. I
7: am. I am. have the true. honor of serving as the director of sustainability for First Alaskans. Um, for almost four years now, I'm really excited, love my job. Um, but yeah, the, these past three days at, at, the, at the Elders and Youth Conference, it seemed like one long day.
0: <laughs> and th- this is uh, such a great time where elders and youth get together and they talk about all kinds of issues, find solutions, um, and language and culture is integrated in all parts of the conference. You see um, there were more than 1,000 people attending um, and it's just great to see all the language and culture incorporated and this year the theme part land part water always native we uh, spoke with some people who um, told us a little bit about that including bayou moore who was from dillingham and she's an artist let's hear what she had to say about the conference theme it goes
3: along with everything that we are with being subsistence gatherers hunter gatherers needing to be out in the wilderness and Assessing your situation so you essentially become one with it and then you have to read the animals if you're gonna hunt them You need to know when to be silent when to be joyful and hopeful and it connects you to it It explains exactly the essence of who native people are the land and the water Is who we are without it then our existence would also cease to exist so the work that I do essentially is um, is inspired by what I love about Bristol Bay and who we are as Native people. So I wanted to showcase to anyone who wants to look at it just what what we love about being Native people because there's so many stigmas that are out there and stereotypes about what what a Native person is, especially if you're in the city and you're seeing some people who might be out of their element. But in reality, our, our being is, uh, we thrive when we're out in the wilderness and out subsisting and doing what our ancestors have done. And so my art is really colorful and vibrant and just shows the happier part of what brings out the best in each individual person. Can you describe this one? There we go. This one's called Understanding Wealth and it's showing a my ideal happy Yupik man with a big smile and his, showing his wallet that is full of fish. and his credit cards say full freezer clean water helping elders and respect and so to a Yupik person that's those are all the riches that you need you know they it shows everything and so the dollar signs are converted into salmon and to us as long as you have a full freezer you are so wealthy It shows that you experienced the outdoors and had fun gathering with your family. You experienced like the vastness of the wilderness and the largeness of the mountains and the beauty of the lake and the rivers. And then it also shows that you
0: got food from it. And so win-win. And that was an uh, artist from Dillingham, A Bayou More, talking about her art and also reflecting on the theme and how that's incorporated in life. And Gregory, she said that uh, to her people, you're wealthy because you have a lot of fish. Your thoughts it's on that?
5: Exactly right. Same goes for St. Paul. We have our seals, our birds, our fish and help. Yeah, she's very right. I prefer my own native food. I get more NOURISHING FOOD, NUTRIENTS, AND THEN I TURNED TO THE AMERICAN FOOD, THE HAMBURGER. NOW, I GOT ALL KIND OF TROUBLE IN MY BODY, (laughs) ALL THE uh, SUGAR DIABETES AND EVERYTHING. NO, I LOVE TO HUNT. HUNTING, TO ME, LIKE IT'S SPIRITUAL, Uh, THE WAY I MEAN, SAY THAT, HE GAVE IT TO ME. YOU GUYS CALL HIM THE GREAT FATHER. I CALL HIM A WALL IN L.U. HE GAVE IT TO ME to subsist on. So there's too many regulations that are coming into being, and it's not for the benefit of the animal or the birds. Where I come from, we're seeing a very sharp decline in our fur seal herd. And we have government-to-government relationships, but uh, maybe I could say it, I would like to take it over. We're fully organized as a tribe. We have government to government relations. We took over even our clinic. So, and we have all kinds of programs and everything you can do, somebody else do. We're doing it because we know our people. And then, and we're providing any kind of assistance they can to make life bearable. And all this here comes like if we, the people of Alaska and all the United States, we know alcohol, drugs are the main thing, and then uh, we're starting programs in St. Paul, then you could call us, and it's working, and it's working, so we had one for a whole year, and then we provide housings. Oh, I got lots to say, so, uh, but anyway, uh, instead of depending upon the government, self-determination, we did it. We organized our tribe. We got everything. We got. We built houses and everything, provide housing, elder care. We're spending everything and anything we can. And we found out how to get our grants and everything, so, so we're using it. We are recognized now, so people are coming or calling St. Paul, you know how to do it. So when I say self-determination, we have the tendency to wanna just talk about it. It's talked in the family or outside and everything. Maybe we should do this, maybe we should, but you have to put it into action. And St. Paul is a good example. Life is improving. So in turn, we're doing that uh, like the tribe I'll say I'm proud of it. We're the number one employer in St. Paul. So our people are moving out of St. Paul because the prices are too high, cost of living and everything. Mm -hmm. We're trying to bring them back. And then I'll proud say there was an AC store from Canada who owned it. We got it back. So we're running that store. So uh, I can't, all I can say is you can do it. My people in 48. You can. Yes. That self-determination, you find out the definition and step by step. It won't take overnight, but probably our tribe took nine, 10 years. But look at the results. Holy right. cow, it is good. <laughs> uh, we have all our children that were outside <laughs> somewhere. Now they're back or either with elders, people that they know and especially the food they eat and everything, it can be done. And <coughs> i like to say that means we are one. All oh, the indigenous people of the United States, Alaska, or even the world. Now, if we came together, all oh, that voice would be heard. Right. It would be loud and clear. And I would encourage, we got Lieutenant Governor, who is a native, Speaker of the House, who is native. I want to put our people in places where they can they can help us better. There, yes. Now, my dream would be. a native being president of yes. the United States, even well, the governor here <laughs> too. You know.
0: Well, and you know the elders and youth conferences about leadership. And Emily, um, your thoughts on um, emerging leaders? What uh, Gregory's talking about about having this native president? Absolutely, and I just have to say how much I love his energy.
7: <laughs> yeah, oh, um, Greg was actually. <laughs> Greg was actually <laughs> our keynote a couple years ago. Yeah, I was and keynote I d- speaker for yeah. the elders. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, and so um, yes, so as so at first, Alaskans were a statewide Alaska Native nonprofit, and we do we advance our work uh, through our vision of progress for the next ten thousand years, and that really just builds on the strength of our ancestors, and um, it's from a strength-based standpoint, and our elders are are our. our Elders Youth Conference, as you shared earlier, it's been going on for more than 30 years. Um, And this year we had record-breaking numbers. Um, It really was powerful to be in this space, to hear the keynote speeches, to see the resolutions that were passed. But it really was grounded in our culture and our language. And that's something that I personally, as an Alaska Native woman, really appreciate that we have our culture and our values at the center and then we build out the workshops. Um, Oftentimes I have attended conferences where they have this great agenda and then they add in culture and we make sure that that is centered. And from a leadership development standpoint, um, at First Alaskans, our philosophy is that you don't stop growing as a leader so what we do is you know we you know as soon as you could get you you have your babies you bring them you know at you know if I ever have another baby um it's welcome that I bring my baby to our office and so we say we always have our children at our feet um so they can start listening and hearing the work that we do and then with our elders and youth conference um you know we make sure that our 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 young leaders have a voice at the table and when they get to the point where um we don't say they are emerged but when they you know when they um, are using their voice we step out of the way and oftentimes I know with people from my generation we want to you know we want to we want to have a seat at the table and so it's just making sure that our young leaders are right by our side and um, when we talk about our resolutions I'm really proud that we have really young leaders that want to use their voice they're finding their voice and they're using it so it just really was an incredible Um, Three days, as I shared, it felt like one long day. Um, But in terms of the the theme, part land, part water, uh, always Native, that really does speak to the fact that um, Alaska Native people, Alaska always has been and always will be a Native place we are the indigenous people of this land. And coming from a strength-based standpoint, we know what's best for our people. And so you'll see that translate through the, through the resolutions, through the workshops that we offered. And I'm just so excited to see what's next, what's gonna be with, you know, with, the, with the advocacy strategies, with the resolutions. Um, and uh, they, they are gonna be put forward to AFN. So I'm really excited and proud of that moment.
0: And there's also dynamic speakers that you bring in, Gregory a few years ago, and also you have the uh, youth keynote. So let's hear from um, this year's youth keynote.
2: I started using the darting gun for whaling since I was 11. I first started making the bomb when I was 13, which involved adding gunpowder and fuses. I started being a striker for whaling when I was 15. On the seventeenth of April last, we were boating and we caught a bearded seal. As evening came, we towed it back to home while butchering the seal. One of our crew, a botan, seen a whale spouting nearby. So after butchering, we went back out towards the whale. Not long after the chase, I struck the whale. The harpoon didn't stay on the whale; it withdrew. Met- But fortunately, another crew put a harpoon in. It it took five minutes to finish off the whale. After getting the whale ready for towing, it took about a couple hours to get back to land on the North Beach. We went home and rested and started butchering the next morning. It took a span of four days to completely finish butchering the 57-feet 11-inch whale.
8: At 16, he was able to take a, a, a bowhead whale and that it didn't happen overnight. He trained for literally his whole life working with his family, his uncles. Uh, and it just reveals the life of a young man who, who uh, will become a captain, will become a leader and hopefully that will allow him to become a leader Uh, uh, in his own life uh, and be able to choose a path that that makes the most sense for him. But being selfish, uh, uh, I would look forward to a young man like that becoming a leader for Alaska.
0: And what does the state of Alaska um, need to do or doing to help protect subsistence activities?
8: Well, certainly we need to work uh, with with local communities. Uh, uh, Chris, in his talk, mentioned a series of significant changes uh, in, in in climate uh, in the oceans, uh, in the ice uh, certainly nature is a much more powerful powerful force than, uh, uh, than we have the capacity to fully respond to but we need to create opportunities both for our state and for our people to adapt uh, And so uh, uh, it is information, lessons, knowledge that uh, people like Chris and his family have that give us in many ways an early warning, uh, which the rest of the world really doesn't have, uh, but which is affecting all of life on earth. So uh, it's important.
0: And that was um, Lieutenant Governor Byron Mallott and uh, the youth uh, keynote speaker, Chris Apasinguk. I'm probably, I'm trying my best to say his last name, but um, Ben, why don't you um, give us your thoughts on um, Chris's speech this year and what the Lieutenant Governor had to say about subsistence.
6: Chris's, <coughs> sorry, I, my throat is, I'm clearing my throat, but Chris's speech was my highlight In the uh, for the entire conference, to see, you know, in in a lot of different ways. uh, For for one part, Chris was being supported by the governor of Alaska during his speech and the lieutenant governor of Alaska and his family. But outside of that, he was being supported by all of the elders and youth and. And chaperones and all of First Alaskan staff while he was up there and I feel like that is something that everybody needed because when Chris was attacked by can you
0: explain a little bit for the listeners who may not know the story is um, he was bullied online for um, harvesting a whale
6: yes He was bullied online for harvesting a whale after uh, ADN covered the story. And it was such an amazing story. And he got so much support from the state of Alaska, from the native community, and everybody was so proud of him for being a culture bearer and for passing on our traditions and for living that life and giving us all hope. And then, the uh anti-whaling community um outside of alaska of course led by paul watson who founded the sea shepherd led an online onslaught bullying uh, chris and his family and it hurt everybody it it hurt all alaska natives throughout the state and we just really needed to lift him up in order to lift ourselves up also. And that's what happened during that speech. And the way he stood up, his words were like he was standing up, you know, inside himself, he was standing up. And it helped us all stand back up again. And I, I can't really, it's hard to explain the way it felt, but I know it's what needed to happen when he, made that speech
0: and emily you were shaking your head what it what did what did you think about chris when i first
7: saw the um just the onslaught of and just the amount of negative um you know just bullying on uh, social media i remember having this uh feeling of you know i had never met chris and as a native woman you know as a yupik woman i know he's siberian yupik you know, I didn't know what I can do aside from being an advocate um, through my different or through my various channels and educating people that from a Western context, this might, this might be th- I mean obviously is viewed as anti, but from an indigenous context, the richness, the beauty, that um, the values that go into this way of life, because it is from a w- the term subsistence is a Western is a Western word um, from a native indigenous perspective it is the way we are it is is the way that we have been it is the way that is um, this this way of life has sustained our people and so using this as an opportunity to educate people you know that was you know I I, I had a sense of you know I don't know um, what I could do because I had never met Chris but then to hear what he shared at the conference and then asking everybody to stand with him, I had an opportunity to stand with him, and I was in tears um, just to see so many of you know our youth and our our, our elders and natives and non-natives um, standing right by his side. And um, although I've never wailed with Chris and his family, I've had an opportunity to attend Nalakatuk in Barrow, and it's been one of the most beautiful festivals that i've ever attended in my life um you know just from my own experience seeing how when you harvest a whale you immediately share out with your community um it's 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 sharing it's it's our our value of sharing and being raised between alaska and texas and seeing you know the indigenous versus western you know there isn't this kind of mindset of private property or private, you know, this this not, this view on one person, it's immediately shared out. And being able to be part of Nalakatuk and to share the whale with the entire community, it was really powerful knowing that this animal will help sustain this community through the winter. So for me personally, I had a, it was very moving that I wanted, you know, I had this experience of almost being paralyzed, not knowing what to do, and then being able to be in a space where I can stand with a young man who is providing for his community. He is a hunter, he is a
0: warrior, he is a provider. Okay, well, great. Well, we're talking about the Elders and Youth Conference. We gotta take a quick, short break. We will be right back. You're going. seconds welcome back to Alaska's native voice I am your host Antonio Gonzalez and we're talking about the 2017 elders and youth conference and attendees were taking a look this week at land and water and how they're intertwined in their lives and I'm joined w- by some guests here today who are sharing their thoughts on Alaska native ways of life and uh, Gregory Freitas Thank you for being with us. Welcome welcome. back. You're welcome. Uh, um, And I also have uh, Ben Agimuk. Mm -hmm. Anderson Agimuk. Anderson, okay.
6: People know me both ways.
0: Okay, great. Thank you for being with us. And Emily. Emily, with First Alaskans Institute also, thank you for being with us. Grahanna, thank you. And so, uh, Gregory, you wanted to comment. We were right before the break, we were talking about this young man, Chris, who was harvesting a whale and got bullied. He was honored by the state of Alaska. Um, Both the lieutenant governor and the governor of Alaska came and um, honored him for landing a whale. So your thoughts.
5: Okay, Uh, I agree with him. (laughs) Bullying, yes, Uh, the way he says that, uh, in my, in St. Paul, we're threatened if you take a seal. For example, we have a subsistence harvest during the summer, and they want us to take that. When that's over, I can't take a seal. I can't, you know. Uh, I can't even shoot him or anything. If I do shoot him and gather the meat, that's a $10,000 fine and 10 years in prison. We are working with the government to abolish this. Uh, We're sending petitions, and then I would say it's mismanagement on the part of the United States government. Why they're there, I don't know. They were there during the commercial take of the fur seals. We never do that anymore. The environmentalists stopped them. So we took over ourselves, the natives of St. Paul, our corporation, we did it for 2 years, 2 years. That was the only way we could have jobs and get paid. They stopped that from us. So, we went through a lot. Uh that encouraged our leaders to really fight. So, and we fought and we have a better relationship with the government now. They can't dictate anymore. We have to have a mutual agreement on anything. So, uh uh, when i saw him uh talking like that i hope you people in the law 48 you have your rights use it and everything uh like i said you're more than us the 48 states and all the reservations gosh you guys come together and as we call ourselves atakanakun we are one if you come with one voice what I would do is go to that United States Congress, the way it's going now, I mean, uh, I'm wondering if if I'm in the right place. But uh, they should take example of uh, indigenous leaderships, their government, of how they run their villages. We have our laws, you know, but some laws are, to me, ridiculous. Congress or Washington, D.C. doesn't know St. Paul. And they make laws, you know. I don't want to use the word they don't care, but they're not educated. They're not knowledgeable. They don't know what's going on in our villages and in the reservations. So, So we, as people, have to go to them, educate them. And then that's what he did in our tribe, and it's working like clockwork.
0: Well, thank you for sharing that, um, Gregory. Yeah, there's a lot of work being done on various levels at tribes across the country here in Alaska, lower 48, working with local, state, federal officials. And that's a lot of what is happening um, at Elders and Youth and even uh, or at uh, Alaska Federation of Natives annual convention as well. Um, and back going back to the Elders and Youth Conference, there's also the Elder Keynote. Um, this year, Claire Swan gave the keynote address and she also talked about land and water issues. And she's also a health advocate and health and wellness is an important part of um, everyday life. So I talked to her a little bit about that
9: my name is claire swan is my last name and i read in your bio
0: that um you work to address substance abuse um in your community can you tell me a little bit about that and why that was important to you
9: well uh i i my i'm very very fortunate because uh we we didn't get trapped in that but um it was always there and and i feel like i say that i came from uh uh, you know an abusive family because I, I lived in the village and we had a lot of problems with that and I it always scared me because I realized there were people I loved who when they drank would turn in would they just be you know they would be different and not good so so and I worked uh, with, uh, with that in the 70s yeah
0: and how has Native culture impacted um, overcoming many issues inclu- including social issues like uh, substance abuse? Uh,
9: they, the, I guess the thing is that Native people are because they come from the land and the water just it's what they do to be strong and, and you just you're always breaking trail you're always going and, So and, and, and it's a you can you, it's your choice. It's, it's what I learned and what I know. So.
0: And how is um, health and wellness, um, why is that important to you to address uh, in a because tribal community? it's the
9: only thing that you own. You have your body and you have to take care of it. You have your own ecology and environment before you can help others.
0: And that was an elder keynote this year, Claire Swan. And Emily, tell me a little bit about your thoughts on health and wellness, and how that's incorporated into the Elders and Youth Conference.
7: Yeah, you know, um, I gosh, I just loved her keynote as well. And um, although I've seen, I've, I've seen and I've heard Claire Swan, this was the first time I had met her. And um, by the end of her her talk, I was in tears. Um, you know, one of the messages that really struck with me is that um you know our 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 people know what's best for our people and our you know living off the land our relationship with the land um you know our you know our our our, tr- our traditional foods um our medicine our values our you know the way that we live is medicine and so for me um her message of um of health uh, of, of being grounded in health and health and wellness excuse me um really underscored the message that, um, our, you know, our people know what's best for our people and finding our way, you know, our, our, our paths in life, but never steering away from what centers us, you know, our relationship with the land, our way of being, our way of knowing. Um, I, you know, as I mentioned, it, I was in tears by the end of it. And, um, she like Greg has so much energy. And, um, for me, you know, I, I left that morning just, you know, really like, I just need to spend more time with elders so I can (laughs) get, so, so I can find more energy, but I really, you know, are people going back, you know, oftentimes Um, You'll see, you know, just medication, 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 when in, you know, these uh, providers pushing medication, when in reality, it's the way that we've known for centuries, for thousands of years, um, practicing our way of life. I've heard so many times from elders that when they're sick, they'll eat muktuk or they'll eat our traditional food. And that is healing, our values, our culture is medicine, it's healing. Um, So for me, that's something that I know I'm gonna take home and I'm gonna practice in my home and with my daughter.
0: And we we also got um, a chance to work with some of the participants the last few years who are we're calling them young media makers. So they ran around the elders and youth conference and gathered audio and interviewed people. And to me, that's really important as a Native American journalist that we're the ones sharing our stories and we're Absolutely. the one getting out there and um, giving voice. So let's hear what some of uh, the students, at elders and youth gathered.
9: Morning, my name is Aurora Warrior.
10: I live and work here in Anchorage, Alaska. I grew up in Wasilla, but I'm privileged to work for an organization that serves the North Slope communities. I would like to see residents of Anchorage get outside of Anchorage and one, experience the cultures, and two, provide resources to the regions that we're trying to serve. For instance, uh, teaching Wainwright about sewing. We we can't do that from Anchorage. We have to get there and experience and share that with the residents.
4: My name is Tim LeCount. I am 35 years old. I'm from Palmer, Alaska. I think the biggest thing in the suburban areas or maybe in the road system is that students feel maybe outnumbered or just that they don't have a way to connect to their elders. Um, In the villages, usually there's a specific heritage that kids can rally around, but in Palmer you might have Yupik kids, or Athabascan kids, or Alutic, or you know, Inupiaq kids all sitting in the same classroom, and sometimes they can, they can let that disorient them to the point where they just let go of all their culture because they don't feel like they're with everyone who's the same as them. So I would love to see a way where kids can still connect to their culture, even in the city.
0: And that was some um, interviews gathered by the young media makers um, who were working with Quantic Broadcast Corporation at the conference, and the attendees were talking about city issues and some of the issues that they face. Ben, you're from um, Bethel, and uh, tell us what you thought about um, what the attendees had to say about city versus rural issues.
6: Well, <coughs> city versus rural Um, I I say I'm from Bethel, Chevak, and Tanunik. I've also grew up five years here in Anchorage. And from my experience, I over the years of going back and forth, I've come to validate my identity um, as an Alaska Native who has had urban experience and that's something that's really important for a lot of the, these youth who um grow up in urban Alaska because half of our youth are in urban Alaska and and it's a v- valid way to be alaska native and if we don't accept that then we're um then we're eroding our identity and eroding who we are One thing that I notice about Anchorage, it's the most urban part of Alaska. The salmon still run here and the moose, you know, still go to, you know, the moose still find themselves in all parts of the city. And there's bears straight into downtown Anchorage. And there are people here in the native community who have a relationship with nature here and they're, know they might be quiet about it and I think that that there is a community to connect with here and you know there might be a young Yupik boy who uh, is informally adopted by a clinkic grandmother or uh, you know something like that and it's a new experience that that we have to embrace um, in order to move forward.
0: And, Gregory, what would be your advice um, to, to people living in the city? Yes.
5: Okay. Go back. I, it's the tribes. I want to bring our people back, our way of life. Here, the main thing I know I have to do is create jobs. And lower for jobs is what you need. They can't afford utilities, electrical, and all that. The food is very high. I heard one comment, of $14 for, I don't know, a quart or a gallon of milk, how can you survive? So I understand why they're leaving their homes and everything. So we, in our tribe, we're trying to bring back, we're creating jobs, we're building homes even. We have our carpenters. So uh, we really want them back because, like, what's your name? Ben. Yeah, Ben, you go out into the urban areas, you lose your identity. You you want to follow that culture and then forget about yours, you know. Ours in my in er, I say it from the heart is way better than anything that is. You are who you are with your people. You don't have to be ashamed or mm-hmm. anything. No, I mean you, do, you know everybody here, you don't know everybody. You don't trust them. And every darn thing that's wrong happens in cities. You name them, drug abuse and everything. And then I think, I don't want to say it, but we send our kids out to school, Monash, High School and everything. They're picking up different cultures, different bad habits. So they'll bring it home with them so uh i want bigger schools and everything where we could teach them edu- uh, graduate them oh i have a good story here I, i'm an you teacher so i've been teaching for a year and everything so uh, i'm proud to say all my two students graduated they can read aleut and the graduation speech was in Aleut. Holy cow, that was good. And one thing, even better, my granddaughter is teaching Aleut in school. So, see, it makes me feel I accomplished something. It's a matter of doing.
0: Great, thank you. And Emily, you're shaking your head, you wanted to add to city life versus uh, being in rural areas.
5: Yeah,
7: you know, one of the things um, that was shared this morning um, in terms of, I, I just love the message that's being shared right now, um, I, what Lieutenant Governor Byron Malat had shared, you know, from, I guess, from the state standpoint, you know, the pr- like the primary, um, like where our resources come to fund our state come from rural Alaska. Um, you know, oil, gas, um, you know, comes from rural Alaska yet a lot of those resources are not being allocated back to rural communities. So I think there's a larger question there around the inequities that exist. And a lot of work that we're doing at First Alaskans, we're elevating that conversation. You know, don't have a conversation about us without us. We know what's best for our people. And I'm sharing that especially, you know, as we see the out-migration from rural communities coming in to um, more urban areas, We have to look at why. Don't look at, um, you know, data tells a story, you know, why are people either having to move away? Is it tied to the 10 student minimum? A lot of people don't know that in rural Alaska, if you do not have 10 students in a school for three years in a row, the school will shut down. That is tied to lack of economic opportunity. You know, and what we say at First Alaskans, why does that burden have to be on the back of our native children? Why is that okay? As 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 uh, Lieutenant Governor Byron Mallott shared this morning, it, it's not more. It, it it's not okay that when someone passes away in r- in a rural community, that a body is laying there for four days under a tarp because. Cops can't get there. There's an an inequity that exists. And just the message that was shared at AFN already is that tribes have the power. There are people, there are feet on the ground. They know what's best for their communities. We wanna, you know, uh, as as Greg shared around education, um we need to have the acknowledgement for what happened in our boarding schools healing needs to start taking place we have people in communities that want to teach our children who are there who have that 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 um that will and that knowledge they need to they need to have their voice at the table so i guess that's my two thoughts on (laughs) on out migration you know our people are here the time is now and it's just hearing the message of self-determination we know what's best for our people and you know we you know the um the signing that just took place between tribes in the state you know i love seeing that this shift of the government to government relationship and in, in in alaska uh, it, it's a very exciting time to be part of and um, as an alaska native woman i know that you know, my grandmother and my mother may not have had this opportunity, so I know, um, with every fiber of my being, this is my path. This is my purpose, and I want to, I, I want my daughter to have a better life experience than I had, than my mother had, than my grandmother.
0: And uh, going to what Gregory was talking about with um, education, uh, we also uh, talked to some people about higher education, and that is definitely a focus at the Elders and Youth Conference is uh, education, higher education. So let's hear from um, uh, Pearl with uh, Tribal College.
10: My name is Dr. Pearl Brower. I am president of Ily College, and we are located in Utqiagavik, otherwise known as Barrow, Alaska. Ily College is Alaska's only tribal college, and actually Alaska's only independent community college, as we are not associated with the university system. We offer somewhat of a three-prong approach. We have academic, vocational education, and we have workforce development training. We serve approximately seven to 800 students every semester who come from across the state of Alaska. Um, and last year, last semester, we actually supported uh, programming in 40 communities across the state. So, one of the great things about Ili Sakovec is that we are rooted in our Inupiaq values, which in Reality are really indigenous values across across the board. And so we do our best to incorporate that into everything we do, whether it's instruction, what we serve in our cafeteria, how we work with our students to give them extra support if they need that, and the general feel of campus. So what we have found in all of our studies is that this cultural connectivity really allows for increased student success in attaining uh, their goals of higher education. I think that one of the important things there is that there is a lot more focus on the importance of connecting with our Indigenous students in a way that makes sense to them. And that's really the key. We've only been around for 20 to 23 years. So we have to recognize that we're still in our infancy in a lot of ways. And our student base is very much first-generation college students. I'm really looking forward to the next 10, 20, 30 plus years to start seeing those second generation college students start coming through our doors and as education continues to become more indigenized, that's how we're going to see those successes. Our Alaska Native people need higher education in order to compete in the globalized world that we are a part of. Being a tribal college allows you to celebrate who we are as indigenous people. And that's something different than the university systems that we have in our state and i'm a i'm a product of our university system and i'm very supportive of it but do i think that it gave me a grounding in my who i am as an alaska native person no i don't i think gave me a great education Um, but i think that we need to remember that we need to take that time and that opportunity to nurture we are as Alaska Native people. And so I look forward to this progression of um, Alaska Pacific University as they continue to research the concept of becoming a tribal college. And if other organizations around the state are interested in looking at that, we would be happy at Ili Sakhovic to help have those conversations.
0: And so, um, Ben, uh, uh, seeing what uh, Pearl had to say about indigenizing education, your thoughts on that?
6: Well... Indigenizing education is something that we are working on in you know throughout the state, and my experience growing up it w- was you know uh, Yupik classes, Chupik classes, and and I see the younger people back home um, start off with uh, you with Yupik and Chupik immersion and. Uh, one of the success uh, successes I know is uh, uh, is Iyuphu out of uh, out of Bethel, and these people uh, are uh, these children um, come out of this uh, immersion elementary school program and graduate uh, at the top of their high school classes. You know, uh, they tend to get better grades, uh, do better in school than those who d- uh, didn't go through Im- the immersion program. And uh, that program is not uh, is not only focused on language; it's also focused on culture. And uh, that's the only way you can do language uh, is th- uh, I- that's the best way you can do language is through culture, and the best way you can do culture is through language. <laughs> and and then. Uh, you know back home at chivak uh, wh- when I was going to school there, we always had you know cultural heritage week we had uh, cu- cultural uh, uh, we had sea week and we had uh, these uh, these different um, events uh throughout school and also uh you know we had mandatory uh Yupik and Chupik car- carving classes and uh sewing classes and and these types of uh things uh they 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 said to us you know a man needs to know how to uh know how to uh sew because he's going to be out there in the wilderness and and if if something gets torn and he's out there in the elements uh, he's he's not going to survive if he doesn't know how to sew and a woman uh, needs to know how to carve because uh you know if if something breaks down in the house and the man is out hunting then then the woman needs to know how to take care of herself in, in that way too and so, so these types of things aren't just uh, uh, aren't just technical abilities. They teach us uh, values in life, and I feel like uh, indigenous education is uh, you know in in our state is kind of we're we're just under the hump. We're 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 uh, we have I feel like we have capacity. We have the capacity to uh, move forward with uh, indigenous school systems. It's just uh, we're we're finding a way. We're mapping out our way uh, as Alaska natives to uh, to make it whole uh, to take over our education um, in order to uh, have uh, you know our children validated in their own in their s- themselves as uh, native people. And one of the things that uh, some school districts are doing is are changing their um, uh their school calendar to a subsistence school calendar to allow uh days off uh uh to to not have school uh during major subsistence gathering events such as you know moose hunting or fishing or seal hunting and these
0: types
5: of
6: things
0: yes go go ahead
6: gregory
5: yes uh the the way i can i'm so excited uh okay now you said we educate our children we're doing it and it's working okay i got a niece went to school, went to college, now she's a teacher. My intent is to replace the teachers with my people to teach. So it works. She graduated. And then, like I told about my, uh, we have a principal who's our youth. So I want to take over the jobs. They don't have to hire out. And all that money they're giving to them, my people need it. so.
0: Yes
7: go go ahead Emily um i think as we move in this much needed direction we have to not forget our past and where we come from and that's something that i know specifically at first alaskans we're also doing and um in addition to working at first alaskans i'm the president of my daughter's charter school the foundation for the alaska native cultural charter school i'm also a phd student in indigenous studies and there is power in you know not only understanding the system but i don't want to say using the system against itself, but also like, how can we indigenize it? How can we have it grounded in our values? What's good for our people? I love what Ben said, the kids have to see themselves reflected in the curriculum. And I think speaking from my own experience, I never, growing up, I never was taught about the boarding school era. And to this day, my grandfather will not speak Inupiaq. And so growing up, I felt the pain of what happened, but I didn't understand it. And so as we're moving in this direction, there, this historical amnesia has to stop. And what I mean by that is that our, our, um, our state our government has, there has to be a recognition about the boarding school era. There has to be an understanding that this system was a tool to assimilate us. And healing has to be at the center. And I just have to give a huge shout out to the National Native American Boarding School Healing Coalition. They're doing great work around advocacy and education. And um, I know there's going to be a a Carlisle repatriation meeting on November 30th. Um, So there's important work that's happening And so as we continue to indigenize our school system, there has to be um, a recognition about what's, what's taking place in our history.
0: Well, thank you so much for being here. We, I appreciate it. And happy Elders and Youth Conference 2017. Mm-hmm. Happy AFN 2017. I'd like to thank my guests for joining us today. And also thank you to our engineer, Lauren Dixon, who um, engineered the program, and producer, Daisha Eaton. I'm your host, Antonia Gonzalez.
4: AFN Alaska's Native Voice, produced and directed by Antonia Gonzalez. Daisha Eaton, and Nola Daves-Moses, funding support from South Central Foundation, Arctic Slope Regional Corporation, Centers for Medicare and Medicaid, Shellista Corporation, ConocoPhillips, ExxonMobil, Manalik Association, and the Rasmussen Foundation. This is a production of KNBA, Kiwanek Broadcast Corporation, and Native Voice One, the Native American Radio Service.